podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Oh! Welcome to the Hamden Roar with me, Andy Barge. Listeners will be familiar with this week's guest as he appears on the sports scene sofa as a pundit every Sunday. But instead of analysing other players, I got Stephen Thompson to open up about the memories of his 16 Scotland caps, all of which came under the management of Bertie Volts. A great guest today lined up for the Hamden Roar podcast. I'm joined by 16 cap Stephen Thompson, three goals, as I was just telling you off air there. <laughs> Stephen, a decent ratio for someone who only got 16 caps. Uh, do you think so? I'm not so sure. That's uh, it's up for debate. Three goals. One was against Hong Kong, of course, <laughs> which uh, Liam McLeod, my wee pal over at BBC, takes great delight in telling me it shouldn't count as a cap. <laughs> I've actually no idea how it ended up counting as a cap. Um, anyway, it did, and I'll take it. Uh, but yeah, three goals. Uh, one against Canada, Easter Road, which was actually you know not a bad finish. Um, and then one in my very last cap, actually, uh, which was Moldova. Uh, away um, which again wasn't too bad a goal but unfortunately we drew the match and then yeah. there's a lot a lot going around that match other than the goal wasn't there well there was there was it was a very uh, let's say emotionally charged match um, especially kind of coming back to the airport past the old Tartan army and stuff it'd be fair to say they weren't impressed <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, come, we'll come to that later yeah, yeah. we'll start chronologically so let's go back okay. to the very beginning you were born in 1978 so what were your first memories of Scotland growing up were you quite into the team during the 80s oh yeah I mean of course back then you didn't have football coverage like you have today um, so not so much you know I only really watched football as a young person um, mostly if it was a cup final on the TV or we managed to acquire uh, the 1986 VHS World Cup uh, video that had been made so my brother and I used to watch that endlessly Um, and that was my kind of first taste of international football if you like um, watching it but I was always out playing football you know never really that much of an avid watcher of it Um, but you know of course then Italian 98 and I think the one that I was probably most aware of getting older would have been uh, Euro 96 mm-hmm. which you know you watched on with incredible interest and then of course our last one uh, France 98 I remember being in the local pub you watch what I'm saying I might have been 18 <laughs> I think I might have been 18 <laughs> uh, in the local pub uh, against Brazil uh, and the atmosphere was just incredible. We'd all turned up in Scotland strips and uh, we're having a good old laugh and a good drink. But unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't quite go to plan uh, and we've not been back since. Yeah, another near miss in that Brazil game, Indeed. anyway. Any key moments that you remember? Is that the main one then, the Brazil uh, game? For some reason, Koisty's goal, I know it didn't matter against, was it the Swiss? The Euros. Yeah, that always sticks in my mind. That was an unbelievable goal. Um, the England Scotland game, um, Gaza's goal. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it kind of sticks in the memory more than any. Uh, but of course, at that point in time, I was kind of starting to, starting to try and forge my own way and my own career uh, in football at Dundee United. Just as a kid, so. Um, you know, you're kind of watching, feeling more inspired than you did as a youngster going through school because you never knew if it was going to happen mm-hmm. or not. But then, um, you know, you start to you start to become a professional footballer, and I guess you look at your peers with a bit more interest because you want to learn. I suppose you would have been coming through the the Scottish youth ranks at that point in the '98 yeah. World Cup. Did that sort of spur you on and inspire you to go on and play for the national team? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was very fortunate in that I, I, I represented my country through every age group. So I was in the, the Scotland Under-15 team. And I remember 
you know, when you're in the Scotland under 15 schools team and you're playing the Victory Shield, and I don't know how many was in the squad, maybe 24 or 25, you know, and everybody around you's at school and all that, oh, you're going to be a footballer. And every one of us thought that we were going to be footballers. Of course, then you've got to then make it into a first team. Yeah. Uh, and I reckon of that 24 that were in my squad, you'd be lucky if there was, I don't know, six or seven that went on to have you know, football careers. So it just shows you, even though you might be one of the best in the country at age 15, it's certainly no guarantee. Um, so then, obviously, you know, I represented Scotland at 16s, 18s, 21s. Uh, and at 21s, you know, I, I think at that point in time I was playing first team for Dundee United. Alex Smith um, was the manager and um, of the 21s at that period in time. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, International setup. We had a very strong side. I think I played up front with Mark Burchill. Okay. Um, he was a great foil for me because I would just flick them on and he'd be straight through because <laughs> of his pace. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I can re- I can remember quite a lot of the the twenty one stuff and um, I managed to get in amongst the goals quite a lot. And actually, strangely enough, one of the games we played uh, for the twenty ones was against Germany, and I think I scored. And I think that's how Betty Volt's first heard of me if you like okay. so were you ever included in a Craig Brown squad but not no, no 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 I hadn't quite uh, I hadn't quite reached that level yet I mean my first involvement in a Scotland squad came um, when I was at Dundee United and I was having you know a, a decent season I was feeling very confident um, and well actually I mean I remember getting it was actually a journalist phoned me and you know, it was before the days where you would had instant information, mm-hmm. and a journalist phoned me and said, "What do you think of being in the Scotland squad?" And I went, "What?" So I said, "Look, I can't possibly comment because I've no idea what you're talking about." So I what, what game was this for? Uh, France. All oh, right, okay. France. Yeah, that was my first cap. So um, obviously, in a state of shock, I managed to then get a phone call telling me that I was in the squad, and um, I hadn't expected it in the slightest bit. I was at Dundee United at the time. Yes, I was playing well. Um, yes, I was, there was maybe interest in me from other clubs at the time, but uh, I wasn't expecting a Scotland call up. So when it came around, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was nervous. There's no doubt about it. Um, and uh, I remember thinking before I went to the first, because I'd only trained with Dundee United. I don't, I'd never, you know, I'd been in Scotland on the 21 squads. I, I was worried about the standard and whether or not I'd be able to cope. Um, and I remember we we met up for that France. Uh, at France friendly, and of course they, you know, their team at the time was an absolute joke. I've got some names oh, written man. down here: Zidane, Henri Desailly, yeah, Trezeguet, the lot. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I came on as a substitute. I can't remember after around sixty minutes. Uh, my claim to fame was Zidane stood in my toe, <laughs> so I told all my mates that they were well pleased. Yeah, um, obviously we get pumped in the game, but I remember, you know, as I was saying there uh, before the match, meeting up for the very first training session, and. You know, these are all household names and guys. You know, some yes, I played against in the in the Scottish Premier League, but you know, a lot of them were from down south as well. So I was panicking. Anyway, we turned up at the first training session. It was fine, and um, Paul Lambert turned in probably the worst training session I've ever seen <laughs> anybody ever have. So it, in a weird roundabout way, it gave me a lot of uh, it gave me a lot of confidence because I was like, how can this is you know this is uh, this is Paul Lambert. This guy's won the, the the Champions League. This guy's an absolute legend. Anyways, it just showed to prove that. Um, Is it just his effort levels? No, his effort levels were there. He was just having an absolute <laughs> stinker. Things were bouncing <laughs> off from everywhere. So, uh, so it gave me a kind of roundabout confidence boost, if you like. It's funny he never mentioned that when interviewing him for the <laughs> <this> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he won't remember it. God, he must have done millions of training sessions in his life. But uh, no, he was an exceptional player. But anyway, I remember that. I remember thinking, oh dear. <laughs> oh dear, maybe I'm not that bad. <laughs> Did you? Well, fair to say then you were perhaps on the cusp of the full squad around the time of the managerial changeover. So did you take much interest in Bertie Bolt's appointment? Um, I can't honestly remember. I can't honestly remember. Uh, I think at this point in time, Alex Smith was the Dundee United manager, and and he'd had a communication with Bertie about me. Um, and as I said, Bertie had remembered watching a game that I'd played in 
uh, for the 21s. So there was a connection there, um, but it certainly wasn't something that I was I was expecting. Okay. Um, again, turning up for my for my first squad, uh, you know, extremely nervous. Um, but you know, himself and Tommy Burns made me feel at home, and I knew quite a lot of the guys that were in the squad. There was some younger players in the squad that I played against and played with through youth football. Mm-hmm. So it's always nice when you see a couple of friendly faces. But I know Tommy was great because Tommy would come round. Well, he came round to as soon as we got to the hotel, chatting the uh, hotel um, door, and he came in and he just sat and chatted to me for five minutes and told me to enjoy it. And he says, "Treat it, treat this like it's your first cap, but treat it like it's your last cap because you never know when your last cap's going to come." And that was that was information that I retained because, you know. You've got to treat everyone like your first one, um, because I ended up getting 16. I wasn't expecting not to get another after that Moldova game. I expected to be capped again, and I wasn't. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, that, that, it's very good advice that he gave. But yeah, that, Tommy was the. You know, people. I've heard people talk about the communication between Bertie and the players not being that good because of his language. I, I, I didn't. I didn't experience that. You know, I. I got on very well with him. His points were clear, uh, but Tommy was the kind of mediator as well, mm-hmm. um, which was great. And Somebody who can maybe relate to the players a bit more. Well, yeah, not that I didn't. In my in my impression, uh, there was no problem with Betty's communication or the way that he related to with the players. Some people would differ to that, give you different opinions, but that's just my view. Um, but Tommy was great at kind of being the go-between, and of course, not only that. You know, he had a real aura and presence, and when he was coaching, you wanted you wanted to listen to what he had to say. Uh, he was a phenomenal guy. Um, it was actually funny because when we went to Hong Kong, um, we'd flown through the night, and everybody was completely knackered. And uh, Bertie called a video team meeting as soon as we arrived at the hotel, or shortly after. So we're all in this team meeting. Tommy's up the front. And you know when you can just tell somebody's going to fall asleep and you can see he's trying his best to keep his head up, but his head looked like it weighed about 20 stone. His head kept going down and Bertie's trying to do this kind of big, important talk about how, you know, it's not just going to be a jolly up, which it ended up being, we're here, we're here for a, we're here, you know, blah, 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 it's important preparation. And, and Tommy, of course, fell asleep, so the whole room started pissing themselves. Uh, it was funny, it was funny, but um, yeah, Hong Kong, obviously, was one of the, the goals that I got for for Scotland. Uh, I mean, I tried and tried a great to find trip. it on YouTube. I it was a great trip. <laughs> I, well, I, I think it was a header, if I can remember rightly. Um, it was a great trip. It was great from the point of view from team bonding. And um, I know Bertie got a lot of criticism um, after his time for having played so many people and given so many caps. You can either call that, you know. He, for me, he was trying his best to f- try and find a gem. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it can either be criticised or it can be looked to being fairly proactive to try and you give people caps to try and see how they're going to be. I suppose there are a, f- a few then, if that's the line of thinking we're going down. McFadden was captain, yeah. there. Bertie Fletcher came through eventually. Yeah. There are a few that didn't really amount to much, maybe yeah, Williams, Dobby, lots, people like that. But I think yeah, you've got you know, I think you've got to take a look at as many as you can. We're not a country that's got um, blessed with you know a plethora of um, top top talent. So you've got to scour and try and find what you can. And I think he did that, you know, to a certain extent. Um, he certainly gave people caps and looked to try and find the, the best players for what we needed. You partnered, or I wouldn't say partnered, you played with yeah. Michael Stewart on Mikey. a couple of occasions <laughs> for Scotland. Now, we know that you've got a good professional relationship yeah. with him for a sports scene. Yeah. What was he like as a Scotland teammate? God, you know, I can't even remember. Um, he also came He also came to Rangers uh, kind of on a trial basis for a pre-season once. Okay. I don't know why he ended up not signing. But uh, anyway, I got on fine with him. Mikey was never the loudest in the changing room or the kind of joker type just got on with his business uh, quite quietly talented player as well um, but I can't really remember too much about him 
and I and games or squads together. Um, so the Nigeria two one is the one that I noticed you both played in. The right, game. right. Uh, that must have been only about my second cap, I think. Yeah, it was very early. Um, at Pitodri. Yeah. Was that at Pitodri? That was the one where had they not got well, Kev McNaughton's one of my best mates in football. Had they not said to Kev, Kev that he was going to play, and then kind of changed his mind because he thought that he said that Kevin had looked nervous in training or something. I don't know. I remember that story. Um, did that lead to a bit of a disagreement then between? No, I don't think it did. No, I don't think it did. But you know, I think Kevin could have done without. Yeah. <laughs> we could have done without the manager doing that. Um, I don't really remember too much from the Nigeria game, if I'm honest. It was just one of those home friendlies where we didn't have a great home record in friendlies. For no, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, again, he wanted to take on as many games as he could to try and find solutions. Is that how we ended up with the Hong Kong game then? I've no idea, to be honest with you. I've no idea how we ended up. It's a very up. strange game to set up, isn't it? It is, but again, I mean, I don't know whether or not it was more about bonding or what it was or maybe the SFA, the SFA were paid to take us out I don't know sometimes <laughs> sometimes you get that uh, but anyway I mean I'm, it wasn't you know it wasn't um, it wasn't a big game but did you think though after you scored right that's me off and running three caps in it was nice to get the goal but did it feel legit yeah, yeah I think it did I think it did it's only now that people try and take it away from <laughs> Um, but it did at the time. But uh, yeah, and it was a good trip. You know, we had uh, plenty of laughs. And how long were you there for? Was it a few days or as much as a week? I can't actually remember. I can't actually remember to be honest with you. Um, what sort of things then did the, the players do? Is it as, as simple as just going out for a drink together, having card schools in the hotel? That no, we were only allowed one night out. I think it was at the end of the trip. But you know, we were out and about. We'd go walking around the shops, and I think it's just being with each other, eating together, and. Um, training together, you train double sessions, and we went to a couple of um, kind of sightseeing things as well whilst we were in Hong Kong. It's a great city. Um, you know, it was just it was mostly things like that, uh, and then we, we got a night out, which was brilliant again, a brilliant night out, uh, and that's when Fadi missed the old flight home, which oh, was yeah. <laughs> kind of what do you remember infamous. About that? I can't remember anything. I was out my nut. Um, <laughs> I just, I just remember us all being at the airport going, feeling really bad for him. Where was he? Was he still um, in the hotel? Ah, he'd fallen asleep. He'd fallen asleep. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so he didn't make it. Anyway, that's a story for another time. <laughs> okay. Now, let's move on to, unfortunately, perhaps a, a less uh, enjoyable memory. 2-2 in the Pharaohs. Yeah. That must be quite grim. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a, it was a real low moment. Um, you know, it's got to be up there as one of the worst results uh, in, in Scottish football history. The preparation for the trip was excellent. I remember, you know, um, everything leading up to the game was fine, uh, but for whatever reason, I, I mean, we certainly weren't treating the game lightly. But from the first moment the game kicked off we just had an absolute stinker and it happens sometimes um, it really does but it was it was one of those moments when after the game you realised you'd been part of something that was going to um, get a lot of criticism mm-hmm. so you were kind of coming home, it was quite a long journey home because you had to go on were like three different islands to get to the airport and by the time we got to the airport you know, you kind of had a good idea that we were going to be getting slaughtered um, by the time we got home, which is never about, you know, it's, we always accept bad performances. Um, there's no doubt about it. It's one of the the bad parts about football, being a footballer, is the criticism when you don't play well because it's not like you tried to not play well. It's worse nowadays with social media. Back in the day, we didn't have social media, so yeah. you weren't subjected to personal criticism uh, as badly as you are today. Can you imagine how bad that would, that would be what I say? I mean, I'm sure the players got it after the Kazakhstan oh, game yeah. recently. They will, have. They, will have. they will have. I mean, I think my advice to any young footballer these days would be don't go on it because 
more often than not, you're not going to find what you want to see. Uh, you're going to find people people use it as a medium to criticise more than they do to say that they thought that you were good. So more harm than uh, good, I think. Yeah, no, I, I don't think. For, for instance, the likes of Callum McGregor or James Forrest, I don't think these guys are on it. And I think that's the example to set is to is to maybe stay off of it. Um, because no matter what you do, you're going to annoy somebody or somebody. Yeah. You know, you know how it works. Social media's um, back in our day. You know, you, you knew if you'd had a bad game, the only thing that you were worried about is how bad the paper um, review was going to be. That was pretty much it. Whereas now, you know, you've got fans forums and mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram and whatever. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot worse these days in terms of finding criticism about your performance. I suppose you're in your role as a pundit, you're part of the broadcast media now, but when you were a player, how did you yep. feel that the Scotland team, or the SFA in general maybe, but the Scotland team's relationship with particularly the printed press was? Um, I think in my time there, Bertie, I, I, I genuinely think some of the written press quite liked him as a person because he was a nice person but as his tenure came towards an end I think some of the stuff that was in the papers and the written press was was over the top slightly embarrassing you're talking you've got to have a, a level of respect for somebody who's achieved what he's achieved in the game which is more than anybody else has you know um, and I just thought it was a, a bit out of order the way that he was kind of portrayed at the end. He took his close. I mean, I think looking back then, nobody knew that for the next however many five managers after Bertie, we weren't going to have success, that we were going to struggle to qualify for major tournaments. So at that time, I think everybody was thinking, right, let's, you know, bin Bertie. Truth is, we were one playoff game away from qualifying for a major tournament mm-hmm. yes it went very uh, badly that second leg against Holland but end of the day it's it's Holland away it's never going to be an yeah. easy game um, it was an open draw for that playoffs as well we, we could have ended up with somebody like I think it was Norway or Latvia or yeah. Wales as well yeah yeah. so so he took us close has anybody been closer since no so I always back him and Yes, of course I'm going to back him. That's fairly obvious because he gave me my 16 caps. Um, but I liked him as a person. Um, he had his intricacies, as we all do. Um, you know, his special cake thing was funny. What is that? Uh, he used to call it special cake. So you had to come down for special cake the night before a game. And he, he, did, he used to do a thing that I enjoyed. He, he, to take either a glass of wine, uh, white or red, or a beer. Um, it was 10 o'clock, I'm sure, the meetings. And it was always the night before the game and it was purely psychological and I liked it and not till you're later on in your career maybe do you think about the reasons that he was doing it he's getting the boys together it's the last time you're going to see each other before you go to bed and wake up on game day and he's just wanting you to relax mm-hmm. and not go to your bed tense and worried about the fixture so the psychology of it is actually very good and you know, we'd sit, we'd enjoy a glass of red wine, we'd eat Bertie's special cake, we would chat, and then we'd go to our beds feeling quite relaxed and having enjoyed it. Um, so I thought that was a good wee touch. Is this a cake he's baked? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. He just called it special cake. Maybe he was putting something <laughs> in it. <laughs> um, but you wouldn't have thought so with the performances, maybe some of them. But anyway, um, no, it was great, and um, I'll always back him because he was good for me. Now, just looking at the Scotland results around that time, did the squad lack some leaders, maybe? I don't think we lack leaders, no. Well, I think we had a team with some strong, strong uh, personalities in it. Players that had experience, players that were captains of their respective clubs. Um, I don't think we lacked leadership, no. Uh, who were the ones, then, that would step up around that time and grab games by the scruff of the neck or... Give somebody a talking to if needed. Oh, there's plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, big voices in the changing room. Christian Daly, Fergie, um, people like Jackie McNamara, you had Elvis, 
I can't think off the top of my head, but there was plenty of there, you know. Um, plenty of experienced players, plenty of players that would speak up and speak out. I don't think that was ever an issue with the squad. Um, but I mean, players playing at very decent levels as well, mm. even in uh, the English Premiership as well. So, no, I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said that we lack leadership in the squad. Let's move on then to your second goal against uh, Canada at oh, Easter yeah. Road. Yeah, yeah a yeah. good finish into the top corner. That's right. Yeah, um, it was again a friendly, um, but. You know, I enjoyed the game. I think that was probably one of my better performances for Scotland. I remember missing a diving header, Mo Ross. <laughs> yeah, I saw the highlights. <laughs> I don't know why Mo Ross was playing left back. Anyway, what he was, so Mo swings in across from the left and had a diving header. I should have scored right before half time. So I remember getting into half time really pissed off. It was a proper Superman. Oh, fly, I, oh I mean, in my mind, it was going in the top bin. <laughs> but uh, I think, I can't remember if it was wet that night and it kind of squiffed off my head. Um, and I remember getting at half time absolutely raging that I'd missed it, but thankfully uh, got the goal in the, in the second half. And yeah, I mean it's it's a huge moment scoring for your country. All right, it's a friendly, but um, did that feel much better than the Hong Kong? Oh Hong yeah, crowd yeah. And yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I mean it is. It's, it's, it's for you and your for your family and friends or people that care about you. It's a great moment to score for your country. And, um. You know, just like you, just like I was mentioning with the criticism, when when things aren't going well, uh, especially in national team football, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders because you feel like you've let people down. You feel like you've let the football supporters in the country down because you're representing the country. So equally, when you do something good, then it's fair to say that it's, it's very enjoyable. Was it between you and Stevie Crawford then for the front spot at that time, or were you well, paired there together? Was, there was times when it was me and Craw. There was times when Faddy played. There's times when uh, Kevin Kyle mm-hmm. would have played. Uh, there was other players there as well. Kenny would have just been breaking through. Kenny at that was point. coming in, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the one thing I never managed to do was be kind of first choice, if you like. Um, I, when I was at Rangers, I had started the season really, really well. Uh, pre-season, um, I remember I'd scored in a friendly against Everton uh, at Ibrox, and the next international game, I started, and it was um, against Germany, mm-hmm. uh, which is my favourite cap. Even though we lost, the atmosphere in that stadium was absolutely incredible. The one in Dortmund. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's what a place to go and uh, watch or play football in. And we were really fired up for that game, um, and I, I don't think we should have lost it. We should have had a pen on me in the first seconds of the game. I got brought down in the box, and I think because it was early, the ref didn't give it, but it was it was a pen. Uh, and then I had the assist for uh, wee Terry McCann's goal, um, and that was when Christian did his infamous <laughs> his infamous cheats thing. Um, but that was my favourite cap. Anyway, the point I'm getting to is straight. Pretty much the, the, the game after that, Rangers were at home to Dunfermline and I had a really bad injury to my knee and I was out then for five months. So missed, you know, mm. a, a large slice of... The playoffs? The, yeah. So that would have, you know, I think that had been my, probably my best performance for Scotland over in Germany and I was starting to perform really well at Rangers and the injury, no doubt, sent me back. Uh, it came at a really bad time for me. There's a really good story about the the Germany trip when we um, when we were preparing for the game. Bertie and Tommy had been, you know, really going on a lot about how the training had to be at match tempo. He wanted us to wear shinies in training. He wanted us to get right in about it in training because the game was so big. And I think because Bertie was going back to, you know, mm-hmm. his homeland as well, he really felt he wanted a big performance. So we were all getting mucked in in training and anyway I think I can't remember what happened but I must have caught Christian Daly uh, with a flailing arm which was one of my specialties but I never ever only meant it on a few occasions I certainly didn't mean to catch Christian anyway he then volleyed me 
uh, up <laughs> uh, right up the back side. So I turned round and we ended up having a fist fight. <laughs> so and Christian is like a man mountain of a guy, he's a total gym fiend. His body is like honestly, he's ripped. <laughs> so I think I managed to get in a, a decent first punch and then uh, there was this barrage came and I'm just kind of trying to get out of the way and thankfully for me um, Rab Douglas his big massive hand I just saw this glove coming in <laughs> and it kind of separated us uh, it separated us so the boys were all laughing about this but of course every every training session is videoed so we get to the hotel in Germany this had been training we were training at Dumbarton um, their stadium and this is when we got to Germany Bertie pulled a big meeting and probably had some special cake again and we were sitting there and this video comes on the big screen and the video analysis guy had, had like slow motion down the fight and he'd edited Rocky music over it so of course everybody was pissing themselves it was brilliant um, uh, and needless to say I was quite embarrassed um, but that was brilliant that was just before the game and you, that, that's maybe why I think in the end Christian not because of that but we were all so up for that game. Mm-hmm. We really wanted to win it, um, as we did every game. But this game, the atmosphere, our support were incredible that night. Um, the stadium, everything. And to have lost it, it was oh, we were absolutely gutted. So it was the performance then worthy of better, better than a... a I thought so. Yeah. I thought so. I thought so. And the goals we lose, you know, a penalty. And uh, the other one was a sloppy goal. Um, and I thought we should have had a penalty. You know, I thought that's a game that you know we probably deserved at least a point out of. So it was a frustrating night, but I mean, I think in terms of favourite caps, it'd be hard to to see past that one for me, even though we lost. We ran them close at Hamden as well. That's right. I think I was draw. a sub in that game. I think I come on and get booked for an elbow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was. There were close matches between us. Uh, and uh, these these are the things that haven't gone our way for you know a couple of decades now in terms of the fine fine margins or getting that wee bit of luck. Yes, we've shot ourselves in the foot. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But the fine margins and getting the wee bit of luck that we need just to to get ourselves to a tournament. Could you tell that those games perhaps meant maybe more, but certainly a lot to Bertie Volks? Oh yeah, absolutely. You could tell. You know he's. He's someone with a, a huge reputation in German football, not just as a player, but obviously what he achieved as the Germany manager. And I think um, he really wanted to to prove that he could, could take Scotland there and, and 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 get a result. And we came close. How does it feel then taking to the field in a situation like that against a team that were in the World Cup final a year ago? Do, do players really feel confident in, in the fact that they can go and do something? Yeah, I mean, the point is, of course, you're aware you're playing against top top players, and every player wants to test himself against the best. You want to just see what makes these people tick, what makes them so good. So you want to you want to test yourself. But the other thing as well, you always go into a football game prepared, especially an international game. You know, we'd done lots of video analysis. We'd prepared how we were going to play over and over again. So when you when you go into a game of football, certainly at international level, you should feel ready, prepared, confident. You know, every single eventuality has been looked at by the staff, so that when you step on that pitch, you know it's over to you to just carry out what you've been told. And um, so you always went on to the pitch, pitch, sorry, feeling prepared. But you know, sometimes it doesn't it doesn't happen for whatever reason. Um, I think that's the, that's the thing that I always found when I'm chatting to supporters if they're um, you know if, if they're wanting to be critical and abusive you go, <laughs> definitely went out and tried to play my best mm-hmm. but I, I didn't I had a bad game or did, you know sometimes getting that across to supporters because um, you know you do care especially when it comes to playing for your country um, so you know, I don't think there's ever a, an occasion that I can think of of a, a player when he's representing his country not giving 100%. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so the players certainly had full confidence in the management team at that point in Bertie to well, go I, in and carry I, out what the instructions were. I did. You know, we we wouldn't have we wouldn't have got to a second leg playoff to get ourselves to the uh, Euros had we not. Mm-hmm. So everybody's brilliant at analysing things after an event. You know, if we'd won that second leg and we'd got to a tournament, this is all extremely hypothetical, but then, you know, 90 minutes then decided that Bertie Volks wasn't good enough and then he didn't really recover from that. Um, You know, looking back is easy to do. And I think the easiest thing to do as an ex-player or as a a pundit is to to criticise after an event. You know, nobody was... if there are people that have been critical about um, Bertie's time that were involved during his time, they certainly didn't voice it at the time. Okay. There's uh, there's many, well, 16 caps, but not many of them, from what I saw, seem to be at a full Hamden on a no, Saturday with a few afternoon. poor crowds. So was that Germany 1-1 game when it was packed? Mm-hmm. One of your better memories then? Uh, I know you only came on for 10 yeah. minutes, but to experience that. Yeah, I mean, it was a great experience. Hamden obviously comes in for a lot of criticism. It, it was it was never a stadium that I would criticise. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be involved in cup semi-finals and finals on quite a few occasions, and uh, and of course internationals. And when Hamden is full, it's an, for me it's an excellent stadium, um, and it's the sort of stadium that you grew up dreaming about as a kid. You didn't grow up. You know, when you were in the park playing heads and volleys or seven and by, you know, it was, it was always Hamden you talked about. Mm-hmm. And to have the opportunity to play at it and when it's full is something to treasure, absolutely. When, you're, sta- when you're standing on the touchline, sort of prepared to come on, yeah. and it's 1 1 with, what, 10 minutes to yeah. go. Do the hairs in the back of your neck or oh, of course it different do. sort of yeah, stand yeah, up? Yeah. The atmosphere you're about to bring yourself yeah. into? Yeah, of course it does. It's the. The adrenaline as well, uh, you know. I think um, obviously it helps when the stadium is full. I, you know, I, I can't remember which friendly it was. It was it might have been against? Well, I want to say Republic of Ireland, but we played a game. It was on a it was a rainy night, and there might have only been a, you know about sixteen thousand, very about sixteen thousand at the game or something. I can't remember. There was maybe another one as well, but. Um, and we lost, and it just didn't feel very special um, on those occasions where you, where the SFA, if they know the crowd's going to be lower than you know, Tynecastle, Petodre, Easter Road, you know these types of stadiums are ideal to create an atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the one time when Hamden does suffer is when it doesn't have you know. I mean, it's not a good 80-plus percent fill. But for the big occasion, it's certainly Aye. up there. I, I, listen, I don't know... If, it's got, if you're a Scottish footballer and you don't want to play in Hamden because you don't think the stadium's good, something's wrong. It's where football is and has always been in Scottish football history. And there's so much happened at the stadium. And to, to get the opportunity to play on it, then for me, I think that's... I think that's a big thing. Um, I would always backhand him. Okay. Let's t- touch on your injury then. Did that devastate you knowing that you wouldn't be able to play against Holland? Yeah, yeah, it, it did. Uh, you know, and uh, I think at club level as well, we had Champions League games against Man United. So I missed those. Um, what what happened? Was it an innocuous injury or a bad It was tackle? a knee injury. David Unsworth halfed me in the friendly against Everton. Mm-hmm that I mentioned earlier uh, in the pre-season I had some slight swelling I thought it was okay but then um, I got through the Germany game and then in the Dunfermline game my knee just gave way so I had had quite bad ligament damage that required surgery so um, it's a long process and yeah I mean I think anybody that's had a long term injury in football which which is most uh, knows that you know, it's it, it takes a lot of dedication to get back to where you are, but um, there are certainly dark periods in it. And watching your teammates play in big games like playoffs and playing Champions League games, and you're on the sideline, 
Uh, it's never easy. Were you at Hamden for Faddy's goal? Yeah, I was. Well, you're not going to give that goal to Faddy, are you? <laughs> Let's be honest. That was going way past the post. Uh, <laughs> it's funny when you talk to Faddy about it. Um, and as well, his goal against France, uh, I love winding him up about the goalkeeper for that one. Um, That's funny because nobody really seems to, ah, the to talk about that. The goalkeeper replaced his hand for a slice of lettuce. <laughs> Uh, and it's so funny but you know it was an amazing goal and of course I'm tongue in cheek with him he actually his best goal for me I think it was Lithuania he goes in a bit of a mazy he scored a goal uh, um, he ran from the halfway line against Macedonia it might have been Macedonia then I knew it was kind of around the goalie aye yeah. Um, but yeah he, uh, his goal against Holland uh, or uh, the Netherlands should I say um I remember, you know, that was one of those occasions where the hair stood up in the back of your neck. I was on the bench or just behind the bench, the technical area I was in. And um, you know, when you when you see Hamden on an occasion like that, then and we went into we went into the second leg. I didn't I travel over to the second leg, but we went into the second leg uh, with confidence. I wonder whether having won the first leg was the worst thing that could have happened to us. Mm-hmm. Because we, we thought, right, you know, they're not that good. You know, when you looked at their team, it was littered with world superstars, you know. Um, maybe if maybe if we'd lost the home game 1-0, I might, our mindset might have been different. And, you know, if, I can't remember how we were, we were set up, but I never I never liked going in second legs of games trying to hold on to a lead. I never, ever, ever enjoy it as a player. You know, your mindset is, right, we're 1-0 up, will just sit in mm-hmm. you know when you sit in against good teams and you watch you know when teams go to play at Ibrox or Parkhead in the Premiership and if they sit in you know quite often they'll sit in but they'll still lose 4-0 and mm-hmm. you're saying to yourself why didn't we just yeah. go for it you know feels like a matter of time yeah, before it happens but uh, again that's it's all in the past um, 90 minutes from, from glory I suppose uh, but as I mentioned earlier, we've, we've been no closer since. I do have a very good feeling about this upcoming cam- campaign, though. Yeah. A very good feeling. Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't... Uh, firstly and foremost, I don't think that the actual qualification... And, you know, I hear people saying it's over because we'd lost the Kazakhstan game. It's not over. It's two games in. It's going to be difficult. But the other thing is we have the Euro 2020 playoffs we have that as a you know as a it's sitting there and the two teams that we would have to beat you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we'll beat them it's not a Spain an Italy or a, or a Netherlands so uh, I do believe that we will go to Euro 2020 so that's, that's nice to hear encouraging <laughs> We'll come back to that uh, in a second, actually. But I want to ask quickly, of course, you played for Rangers for three years. Two seasons, yeah, 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 yeah. So a lot of pressure on your club career playing for a yeah. club of that stature. But is the pressure different playing for Scotland? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, there's always pressure on you as a footballer. At bigger clubs, the pressure's more because the expectation is more. Um, but I think when you represent your country you feel more responsibility um, it's difficult to put into words um, like I said when things don't go well you're like oh man you know, I've not just let down the supporters of the club I play for you feel like you've let down okay. the, the nation and you know that's a it's a big weight on your shoulders um, but again when things go well you know the plaudits are mm-hmm. the plaudits are brilliant um, it's just how you deal with the pressure I think you know I think um, the performance recently against San Marino was universally slaughtered but coming off the back of the Kazakhstan game the pressure going into that game for the players to play in and they won the game 2-0 for the players to play in you know if you think about the game on purely on a psychological basis they've just come off of one of the worst if not the worst result in Scottish football history 
to then go up against a, another team, Minnows like San Marino, um, there's a different, there's a kind of different pressure there to go and perform. And uh, despite it not being a brilliant performance, having been a footballer myself, I can relate to what would have been going through these guys' heads. And it wouldn't have been an easy game to play in. Is it? Would it be too far to say a state of panic? No, I wouldn't have said panic, but I think going into that game as a player, um, you know, to try and lift yourself after what would be the ultimate low, and people sitting looking at San Marino going, this is another banana skin here. Uh, it was never going to be a performance that would have been a 5 0 although it probably could have been on the chances that we missed, but... Um, I think just to get the job done was enough. Uh, so I wasn't overly critical about that performance because I, I recognised what the players would have been going through going into the game. Well, here's a, a performance that I suppose you could align with that was the 1-1 draw in Moldova, your final cap oh, and yes. final goal for Scotland. Indeed. That's one of those ones where you're, all the expectation of the country is on your shoulders. Uh, it doesn't really go so well and no. obviously there was a huge outcry after the game and votes eventually... Yeah. yeah, that was at the start of the qualifying for 2006 mm -hmm. we were beaten by Norway in, in the opener and then drew That's to right. Moldova That's right. just after that does it feel within the camp although Bertie Volks you're saying was well like does it feel like it's perhaps coming to a natural end for the manager well I think again at the time without social media you get that feeling or you got that feeling from the journalists from what was in the paper, what was in the news, what was on the telly. And after that Moldova game, I mean, we knew going to the airport, you know, there was fans trying to, well, I'm not bother saying it, but there was fans not impressed with us as we walked through the airport. Um, I've heard from a few that it was very hostile. Well, it was. It, well, I was spat on. Really? Yeah. But uh, when we went through the airport to get to the... The, the plane to travel home you got the feeling that something had to give uh, and unfortunately for Bertie that was the final straw um, did he did he actually recover from losing the, the second playoff leg away in the Netherlands you know that's up for debate as well it's uh, it was a sad way to for him to go and it was a, you know don't have regret, but I've, you know, I would have liked to have had more caps after that game. Um, Walter came in, and I was in his first squad. Uh, shortly after that, I moved down to Cardiff, and kind of went off the radar, if you like. Mm -hmm. uh, you had a big disagreement down there with the manager, didn't you? Yeah, but I mean, that was the first, however many months that I was down there. You know, we were doing really well, um, but I think. I don't know. I don't know if anybody was down watching my games, or you know, you can. As I said, you go off the radar, uh, and at that point in time, the likes of Boydie and Kenny Miller, and um, you know, we had actually some decent strikers at that point in time. So, uh, as as Tommy Burns said to me at the very beginning of my international journey, you know, treat it like your last cap. Um, and in fairness, you know, I didn't have a bad game in Moldova, but as a team, uh, the performance wasn't good enough and ultimately Bertie uh, well he paid the ultimate price for it and, and I guess I was never capped again so um, not not the ideal way to end my career in terms of being a Scotland international uh, not something I look back at with fond memories that particular game but I generally don't try despite the goal yeah I, I generally don't think about that if I'm thinking back to international football which I don't often do but I would probably I'd think about the Germany game. Um, yeah, maybe my goal against Canada. Uh, I really enjoyed actually our win in Iceland mm -hmm. uh, when we won. I think it was two 0 Yeah. Uh, that was that was probably one of my most enjoyable games. Um, so did, did Walter Smith not considering he called you up to his first squad? Did he ever have a chat with you to let you know? Where you were in his plans, or uh, sort of pecking order, or that kind of thing. Not really. No, I think 
you know, not, unlike club football, I think if a manager is going to leave you out of international football, there's not really that necessity for him to give you a reason. So, squads are announced. You're not in them. You work to try and get in another squad. I think I was close when I was at Burnley. Um, being in one of George Burley's squads, and incredibly, on Coyle had said to me that I was going to be named in one of his, his next squads. We were playing Nottingham Forest um, at Turf Moor, and about 15 minutes into the game, I got absolutely halved by Wes Morgan and ruptured my ankle ligaments really badly. It was a horrific tackle. Uh, so obviously then I couldn't make the squad <laughs> and then maybe a bit of time he thought of me again it was all over so that was me nearly getting Fine back margins, in eh? oh, well that is that is it was, um, and at that point in time of course I was playing well because that was the year of course Burnley got promoted to the Premiership and uh, I was playing good football at that point in time so um, it would have been nice to have been recalled to the squad at age 30 but it wasn't to be and then uh and that's it. But I'm extremely proud of having represented my country, um, not just through the younger age groups, but to play at the full squad. Um, it's certainly something I never thought would happen to me in my football career. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. I've got the memories to look back on. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. That's like your whole football career. It doesn't. It's never going to go well the whole time. Um, and as I said, I mean, I look back on my time. Uh, or my relationship with Bertie Volks with fondness I mean I think uh, he was criticised but um, for me uh, he was brilliant Before we touch on the current managerial situation right. let's just go to your memories then a couple of quick fire questions sure. sometimes do this at the end of the right, podcast okay. so what is your outstanding memory then just one from the national team It's another funny story. We sw- we switched my very first cap, which you never know might be a last. We switched strips with the players, so I switched with Mikel Silvestra, who was marking me at the time when uh, when I came on. Anyway, we all put our uh, strips in our bags, and we went to the airport in Paris, and the uh, Parisian uh, baggage handlers opened all our bags and took all the strips out. What? <laughs> Yeah, so when we arrived back in Glasgow, there was no strips. Well, so, unknown to you guys. Aye, obviously, okay. obviously, obviously. So uh, that was a sad tale. So that kind of sticks in my throat a bit. But from a from a playing perspective, Germany, it has to be Germany away. That stadium, I mean, honestly, if you're going to go and watch a football game and you get the chance to go to Borussia Dortmund, go. Is it true what they say about that stand? The stand's the, unbelievable. The it's unbelievable. But, I mean, it, it wasn't just that. It was. I think I remember listening to the German national anthem as well. And everybody belting it out, and then we'd our national anthem. We I think we'd taken a right good crowd that night, but we were up in a wee tiny corner of the, the stand. Um, it was just a, it was just a brilliant experience, and setting up the goal as well for Neil uh, was great. So that would be my top moment. What about the worst one? Worst, uh, yeah, probably getting spat on at uh, the airport in Moldova. How, how do you keep your calm after that? Does it take quite a lot? Or did you keep your Yeah, I did. Um, well, we were getting ushered through by security, so you couldn't really stop. Uh, so That's a horrible thing. It's not ideal. No. The best teammate or the most talented teammate you played with for Scotland? Well, that's not a bad question. Um, oh, I don't know. Faddy was Faddy was the most kind of off the cuff talent, if you like. Mm-hmm. The best player was probably Barry Ferguson. Barry was an outstanding footballer. He really was in every aspect. Did he under- underachieve? Do you think a wee bit? At national level, yeah, I think he probably could have played more games for Scotland. Certainly, the way it ended for him, uh, I, I think there'll not be many days he doesn't look back and regret that. Um, Club you know. career as well. I've I've got uh, a couple of pals that are Rangers fans that say uh-huh. in the early two thousands he could have gone and played for oh. an, an English team that played in Europe. Yeah, the, the year I joined Rangers, we won the treble two thousand and three, two three, uh, two and three. Yeah, uh, he 
it was, you know, the game just, it made the game look easy. It, it, you know, it really did. It's a pain in the arse as a teammate. <laughs> Very money. Uh, I actually got on really well with him. But he... Uh, he had very high standards, put it that way, on the pitch. But um, yeah, the move to Blackburn didn't work out quite as well as a lot of people had thought. But they were a big Premiership club at that time. Um, yeah, for Cup, so well, Celtic played them, of course. Yeah, they? They, were a, they, were a, you know, they were a big club at that point in time. Um, it just didn't quite happen. And, you know, look, when he went to Birmingham, he won a, he won a trophy mm-hmm. with Birmingham. Uh, you know, a, a major trophy in English football. So... It's difficult to say that that wasn't success. What about your toughest opponent then, somebody that was maybe marking you for an international game? Ooh. Uh, trying to think. There must have been a few, I suppose. I, but I'm kind of, I can't really think. Yeah, the Germany ones, yeah, but... I don't really know, to be honest. Toughest person I've played against, John Terry. Mm-hmm. When, is that when that you were in Cardiff or Burnley? Burnley, yeah. He, uh, he was tough. But um, I can't think, I can't think off the top of my head who would have been the, the toughest centre-half. France had a good team when you played your debut, I suppose. Yeah, um, but I can't remember who was partner with Sylvester when I came on. Yeah, Desai in Look the team in the starting eleven. Yeah, I'll look back at that actually. I'd probably have to give it to him. He wasn't bad, was he? <laughs> okay, right. Well, let's touch on the current situation. We've yep. got a game less than a month away uh-huh. now. Well, got two of them actually, Cyprus and Belgium. Do you think we're going to have a permanent manager or interim by then? I would like to see a permanent. I don't think. I, I don't see the point in an interim manager. Um, I think we've got to get somebody in as soon as possible. I think. As I said earlier in the podcast, I don't think that the, the group's insurmountable. I think we can still get something from the group. However, we can't afford any slip-ups now, really. Um, we might have to pull a result out that we weren't expecting, whether that's a win in Russia or a win in Belgium. I don't know. Um, First and foremost, we have to beat Cyprus. Well, we do. We do. But again, I'm just being a typical Scotland fan there, thinking in my head that we'll win that without <laughs> any problems. Um, yeah, I mean, that will not be easy, but I'd like to think that we'd be able to beat Cyprus um, before we take the next step. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I hope it's a permanent manager. If I was to pick somebody right now that I would like in, uh, I think I would be, like probably most people, I would like to see Steve Clark as the manager. I think purely because of the way that he's set up Kilmarnock to play their football um, I think they're very difficult to beat I think they're extremely organised and I think that they counter attack well and I think these are things that in international football we need to do as a nation because you know, we're never really going to have the lion's share of possession against better technical teams so you have to find other ways to win the game and I think in wide areas we've got two of the best about um, in James Forrest and in Ryan Fraser if those guys are wide and you've got the likes of Robertson and Tierney in your team then I'd like to think that we could be a, a strong counter attack team or just a strong team in general but the way that Steve Clark plays and the way that um, he gets the balance right between um, attacking and defending and and the way that the, I think the players always look organised. For me, he ticks all the boxes, and I think he's at the right age as well. Whether or not he wants to be Scotland manager just now is the question. Um, I, you know, I think he's got aspirations to be a manager at the top division in England, um, and why not? And why not? Well, he does miss his family down south. Yeah. I suppose you can live in England and manage the national team but the thing is Kelly have still got two more games to go this season the last game's on May the 19th that's let me do the math quickly two and a half three weeks yeah. before the Cyprus game is that enough time to appoint him have him announce a squad and then take charge I think so because I don't think it's not like he would be having any day to day work with the squad anyway before then um, so in, t- in terms of 
time, yeah. And I think to get somebody in, um, ideally you want to be giving them a period of time to work with the players initially. So we don't want that to be the case. Miss these two and that be the case in summer or whenever. You know, the sooner the better for me. And um, To make a quick impression or an instant impact on the players. <coughs> I just think to get to know the players and to, to be able to put your own stamp on the team and... Let's see who, who who the new manager might call up that maybe some of us haven't thought of or what he would change. Um, but it takes time to stamp your ideas on things. That's why I think the sooner the better, uh, rather than waiting. OK. Well, let's hope it goes well. Indeed. Then. But Stephen, thanks very much for My coming pleasure. on to run thanks through for your That's been great. No, thanks very much. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.